right in the middle of a relationship series entitled Once Upon a Relationship. We're talking about marriage uh, predominantly, but also other relationships in your life because they are all sort of governed by the same principles, success in relationships. Uh, if it uh, is that kind of relationship or this kind of relationship, doesn't really matter. Success depends on the same set of uh, behavior patterns and sacrifices. And so whether you're here today and you've been married or are married or you're single and you're really one to be married, I really need to talk to you then if that's the case uh, and warn you of the uh, 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 what could happen, I guess. Uh, and uh, whether, whatever your circumstances are, I hope you'll pay attention to the truth that you'll find in the lives of a guy by the name of Abraham and his wife, Sarah. It is one of the most interesting and really difficult to believe stories in all of Scripture, and I think that you will find the principles that are buried in this story uh, to be dynamite in, in your life and especially in your relationships as, as you attempt to uh, uh, get by and get along with one another. If you have your Bibles, we're going to begin in Genesis chapter 12, but the story actually plays out over several chapters, and so go ahead and turn there and we'll get going. Uh, my guess is that somewhere back there when you met your beloved, no matter how far back in history or how long ago, when you got that really ooey-gooey, knees-weak, uh, starlight, I, starlit uh, feeling. Oh, and you, I can't even describe it, but you know when you start to lose your mind and lose your way and you literally fall in love. Actually, you don't fall in love. You fall in a hole. But uh, when you grow in love and uh, all that happened in your life, there were some things that you thought, if you could look into the future, there were some things that you thought were going to happen. And I'm not sure, I guess those are different for everybody, but I would imagine that your future, at least in your mind, your hopes and your dreams and your plans look something like this. Uh, we're going to be as in love as we are right now forever. Well, you know better already, don't you? Uh, secondly, you thought, you know, we're going we're gonna to get married and we're going to uh, have all these good things in our lives, we're going to buy us a nice house, it's going to have a nice yard, there's going to be a white picket fence around the yard, flowers in the flower bed, grass is always going to be green, it's never really going to snow at our house. Uh, you thought, you know, we're going to get great careers and you're going to work here and I'm going to work there and we're going to have money in the bank, we're going to be able to travel to great places, we're going to have 2.5 kids, and uh, the first one might be a boy, and then the next one might be a girl, and the next one you don't care because you've already got a boy and a girl, and, and you just got all these plans about what you think life is going to look like. Now fast forward five years later, 10 years later, 14 years later, 27 years later, 40 years later, and you realize that why it may be just great or, why it, or, or while it may not be as great as you'd hoped it would be, it wasn't what you thought it would be like, right? 
Has anybody's life turned out exactly like they thought it would? I always thought I'd have beautiful brown hair, for instance. Didn't quite work that way. And so now that you're into this relationship and you're into just living life, you find yourself on a daily basis dealing with difficulties, dealing with conflict, dealing with bills, dealing with children who aren't nearly as well behaved as you intended them to be, dealing with a husband who won't obey, dealing with a wife who won't listen to you, dealing with a preacher who preaches too long. You're just dealing with all this stuff, right? Amen? Now, if you've got perfect lives, you get an early dismissal this morning. But if you've got some stuff going on in, in your house, in your life, that, that you never thought would be there, if it didn't turn out like you planned it and dreamed it, then you're in luck because we're going to talk about a guy and his wife whose lives didn't go exactly the way they planned as well. We're going to begin in, in Genesis chapter 12. And kind of the background for this passage is that I'm not sure at what age Abraham and Sarah were at this early point in their life, but I believe they were probably still in that starry-eyed, dreamy stage. I think they were probably still kind of in the honeymoon stage of their life. And God spoke to Abraham and he said these words, Get out of your country, from your fa family and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and I will make your home great and you shall be a blessing. Now, if you were to read a little further in that passage, you'd see that what God was asking Abraham to do was to say to his wife, Sarah, we're going to move. How many of you have ever had a move from one house to another that was fun? How about this? How many of you have ever had a move where you knew where you were leaving, but you didn't know where you were going? You just packed up all your stuff and took off. Now, that was fun, wasn't it? That's a move right there. When we see it, we'll know it. We like a house, we'll move our stuff in, whether it's got stuff in it already or not, right? That's what we're going to do. God said to Abraham, I want you to have a double dose of faith, and I want you to pack up everything. I want you to tell your wife that you're going to leave this land. It was called Ur, and I'm not going to tell you exactly where you're going, but I am going to tell you this. It is going to be a great, great life. I'm going to tell you this, you're going to be the father, the patriarch of an awesome nation. I'm going to do through you what I could do through no one else. I'm going to make you a very special man. I'm going to allow that to happen in your life, Abraham. But you've got to have faith. You've got to be willing to go. You and your wife, Sarah, have to trust me in the things that you can't even imagine or things that you can't even see. You're just going to have to follow me. The Bible says that that's exactly what Abraham did. That Abraham 
was overwhelmed with faith, that it just sort of welled up within him. And, and, and even though he couldn't see where God was directing him, and even though they didn't know where they would lay their head next, Abraham packed up his family, or actually just he and Sarah, all of his livestock, all of his belongings, and they set out on a journey to a place that they didn't know. God said that Abraham was absolutely a man of faith. And I want you to remember this truth, and there's not a place or a blank on your outline, but if you've got a moment and got a pen, I want you to write this down. God will often call you into a life of blessing. Say that again. God will often call you into a life of blessing. But the only road that leads there is the faith road. God will call you into a life of blessing often, but the only road that leads there is the faith road. So in other words, Abraham desired to be faithful. He desired to follow God. And as a result, his life was blessed beyond measure. But along the way, Abraham had some missteps. He and his wife Sarah stumbled and fell from the faith from time to time. Now, I don't know about you, but my life sort of fluctuates between being really faithful and not so faithful. There are faithful seasons where it's clear what God wants me to do. I'm willing to be obedient. I'm, I'm all in. And there are other times when, when I start to think, you know, I'm not sure God knows what he's doing. I'm not sure this plan is for me. I'm not sure I want to be obedient in this, and I'll veer off and go in a direction that I should. And I would dare say that that's sort of the, the tension in all of our lives. Uh, sometimes we're right in step with God, and other times we're out doing our own thing. Maybe it happens on a daily or a weekly basis in your life. Maybe you wake up wonderfully in love with God, and by mid-afternoon things haven't gone well, and you are in the pits of despair. Well, that's just sort of how life is, and that's sort of how our faith fluctuates in relationships and in relationships with God. Now, I want to give you some uh, clear indications that you might be in one of those seasons that is less than faithful. But before I go there, I want to draw a very clear line about what I mean when I say faithful and faithless, or when I say not quite as faithful as you should be. We have a video for you to watch. Caleb, I just don't trust you. You don't trust me? No, I mean, I want to trust you, I just don't. <laughs> I have an exercise that I think will really help. Oh, okay. Stand here and face this direction. Mm -hmm. Now, do you trust me? Uh, no, I just said I don't trust you. Well, this is all part of the exercise. Oh, all right. Okay. Whenever I ask you if you trust me, you say, yes, Jesus, I trust you. Even though I don't. It's practice. Okay. So, do you trust me? Uh, yes, Jesus, I trust you. Now, fall back. Are you going to catch me? Don't worry about that part. Okay, that's the part I'm worried about. <laughs> you can do this, okay? Just trust me. Trust you. Fall back. Okay, well, Jesus, I trust Good. you. Oh, okay. Uh, let's try this again. Just face this direction and keep your feet planted. All right? Do you trust me? 
Yes, Jesus, I trust you. Now, fall back. Okay. I'm gonna do it. All right. I'm really gonna do it. <laughs> okay. Good. Ah! Oh, Jesus, you really got me! I didn't think you were gonna get me, but you did! Oh, that was great! That was great! You're ready for level two! Level two, here yes. I come, baby! Woo! Oh. Whoa! Okay, hold it. Oh, you know what? You're too close. You need to move back. Ah, right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> this one's a little bit different. Now. Oh, okay. Uh, stand here. Uh-huh. But face me. Forward fall. Okay. I can do that. Wait. Whoa. Okay. Um, wait for my signal. Oh, right. The Jesus signal. Yes. The okay. Jesus signal. Do you trust me? Yes, Jesus. I trust you so much. Good. Fall back. <laughs> That's awesome. It is awesome. <laughs> Especially when you do it. <laughs> Seriously? Of course. Okay, Jesus. I don't know if you noticed this, but there is nobody over there. I know it looks that way to you. It looks that way. It is that way. You can do this, Laura. Just trust me and fall back. Jesus, I can't do that. We can do it together. I can't. You can. I won't. See what I think happens in our lives when God calls us to that faith road that we talk about that he talks about. When God says, here's the direction I want your life to go, and we sort of, <laughs> we're a little skeptical. And if you're like me, when, when you feel God calling you, when you feel God asking you to step out in faith, you kind of want the details, don't you? I kind of want to know what's going to happen if I take that step of faith. Reality is, God never gives us the details. And I think he doesn't give us the details for a couple of reasons. I think he doesn't let us in on what our future will be like if we walk the path of faith. Because first of all, most of us wouldn't be able to handle the details. If you knew what was going to happen every day the rest of your life, it would probably scare you to death, wouldn't it? You wouldn't be able to handle the details. Secondly, if you had the details, if you knew what was going to happen, maybe it's just the opposite of scaring you to death, you wouldn't need faith. If you knew everything that was going to happen, it wouldn't require a step of faith. Here's what the Bible says. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so whether it is pleasing to you or not, God has chosen to ask us to follow him, him into unseen things and unseen places and simply to trust him that our future is in his hands. And Abraham and Sarah, in the context of a marriage as a couple, were asked by God to walk in faith, were asked by God to follow him without any foreknowledge of what, what might be coming next, other than the promise that God said some really, really majorly good things are going to happen in your lives. Well, let's watch them as they take that journey. In Genesis chapter 12, uh, they begin their first misstep 
is they sort of fall victim to fear. And here's the scenario. I'm not going to read this passage for you. We're going to flash it up on the screen, but I'm going to tell you the story. Abraham and Sarah left the land of Ur, but before they got to the land of Cana, where God had called them to be, they go through this place called Egypt. And Egypt in that day was not much different than the Egypt of our day. It is a dangerous place, but in that day it was a very ruthless place. And it happened as if you were a stranger traveling through their land, and you were traveling with your wife, it was very possible that someone bigger, stronger, or with a better arsenal than you were liable to just kill you and claim your wife as their property. Now this was all the more likely if your wife was beautiful. Guys, none of you, uh, well, I better not say it that way. What I'm going to say is that every one of you would be afraid to take your wife to Egypt, right? Amen? Join in. I nearly made a major misstep there. (laughs) Nearly. So they're in Egypt, and Abraham knows kind of the law of the land. He kind of knows what could happen. And here's what he says to his wife, Sarah, who the Bible says, listen to me, says she had a beautiful countenance. She had a glow to her. She was a hottie, basically. So Abraham calls Sarah aside. We're getting ready to cross the border, Sarah. And here's what we're going to do. We're not going to say that you're my wife. We're going to say that you're my sister. Now, first of all, that's kind of gross on several different levels, isn't it? So Abraham says, kind of scoot back on the camel, kind of get away. Don't look at me like you look at me sometimes, and I won't look at you like I look at you sometimes. We'll act like we're brothers and sisters. We've all heard that old axiom, it's like kissing your sister, and that's what Abraham was saying. We're not going to be romantic while we're in Egypt. Just play it cool. Now, there's a great big problem here. If God had called you out of the land of Ur, if God had said, I want you to follow me, and I'm going to take you to the place where I'd have you to be, and as you travel, I'm going to make sure that I take care of you, that I protect you, that no harm, no danger comes your way. You're going to be the patriarch, the father of many nations, and, and, and I'm going to make it happen. Just trust me. If you really had enough faith to follow God in that fashion, if you really believe that God watches over you, you're not going to worry about a scheme like calling your wife your sister. Matter of fact, what happened to their faith at that very moment in time, what happened to Abraham's faith, is that it got overwhelmed by fear. I want to ask you a very important question. Does that happen in your life? You know that God's out there. You know you should trust him. You know even when trouble comes that he's nearby. You know that God has great plans and intentions for your life. You know that God has great things that that he wants to do, not just in your lives, but in your marriages. He wants to make you a great parent. Go on and on and on with relationships. God wants to do good things there. He wants to do good things in every area of your life. 
But when trouble comes, when there's, when, when there's danger ahead, instead of falling on your knees and asking God to offer you the protection and the direction that only he can give, you begin to take things into your own hands and design schemes and strategies. You begin, begin to get fearful. You ever get fearful in your relationship that, that you're losing someone or you're losing something or, or things aren't going your way and you feel like, I might get dominated or I might get in trouble. You start to get fearful. And you start to do really stupid things, don't you? You see, the opposite of faith is fear. And God calls us to a life of fear, not promising or, or, or of faith, not promising that everything will be okay, but promising that he'll always be with us. And practically every mistake we make in life, every mistake we make in relationships happens when fear sets in, when insecurity sets in, when we're desperate instead of faithful. Secondly, Abraham and Sarah had a situation where they grew tired, where they grew weary, where they determined that we're not going to wait on God anymore. We find that in Genesis chapter 12, begins in verse 11, and, uh, uh, or excuse me, in Genesis chapter 16, it begins in verse 1, and remember the promise, Abraham, you're going to be the father of a great nation, you're going to bear children son at least. And now Abraham and Sarah are at a very advanced age. It's kind of a scary story for those of us who have white hair because God has still promised them a child. And here's what happens. Sarah, Abraham's wife, had gotten older, Bible says, and she had not born a child. And she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. So Sarah said to Abram, their names before God changed them, See now the Lord has restrained me. He's kept me from bearing children. Please go into my maidservant and perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And Abraham heeded the voice of Sarah. She talked him right into it. He didn't hesitate. Now, what's the big problem here? There are lots of sinful overtones here for sure, but here's the number one problem. Here's the motivating force behind this whole story. And those of you who know the end of the story know that Abraham, through Hagar, birthed Ishmael in the Middle East has never been the same. But why did that happen? Because I believe what happened with Sarah and what she convinced Abraham to do has everything to do with something that happens in our lives every day. How many of you are patient people? We are a church full of impatient folks who can't wait on anything. If, if, we, we even get impatient when it snows, don't we? 
God, why don't you clear this up? God, why don't... I get mad because it snows every Saturday night and people have a ready excuse not to come to church. I've been complaining to God. I've been murmuring about that. But here's what we start to think in our relationships, in our lives. God, you're not going to do what I want you to do. God, your plan is not going like I want it to go. God, you're a little late. God, you're not listening to me. God, you're not hearing my prayer. God, here's how I think it should be, and you're not doing it. So I am going to take matters into my own hands, and I'm going to run ahead of God. I want us to do what we often do here. We do it at least once every six months. I want you to raise your hand right here, your right hand, this one right here. That's you guys. Raise that hand. Thank you. Just like this, like you were in court. You've been there. I state your name. Do solemnly swear that I will resign as chairperson of the universe. I will let you be you, God. Even the smart Alex can put their hands down now. You see, we need to do that about once a day because the easiest thing to forget in every one of our lives is that we don't have a better plan than God. That God has called us into a life of faith as he directs it And when we don't think it's going the way it should, he never calls us to get ahead of him because somewhere out there ahead of God, outside of his hedge of protection, outside of his will, is the most dangerous place to live your life. We get impatient. We get angry with one another. I just want out. Preacher isn't doing what I want. I'm going to leave this church. That's never happened here. I just thought that up. I mean, we run ahead of God in so many areas of our life. Here's what we forget. God's rarely early, but he's never late. That's good stuff right there. Write that down. God's rarely early, but he's never late. What happens in your life at a particular time and place is intentional. For God to get you to the place he needs to get you, where you need to be. Can I just encourage you from the bottom of my heart? Before you do things without praying, praying means talking and listening. Before you do things and say things, decide things, and move ahead of God, remember the danger. I've heard a lot of stories this week about folks who've made choices to move ahead of God. I wanted to make a video where you all could share your testimonies, but we're a church full of chickens, too. I heard people say, you know, one time I thought I should move. I got tired of this area, so we moved to a different place. We got there, and we realized that we were far from where God wanted us to be. 
It's a miserable couple of years. Heard a guy say, I, I uh, went and bought a car. It was kind of the car I always wanted, but I didn't pray about it, didn't think about it. When I got the car, it cost me thousands of dollars to keep it on the road for a year. Just a miserable choice. Maybe you've got a story in your life where you did it your way in your time rather than wait on the timing, the perfect timing of God because His timing is perfect. And you fell on your face. See, every time we decide we know more than God, we learn the hard way we don't, don't we? His timing is perfect. Number three, when we're talking about being faithful, about God fulfilling a promise, many times we just don't believe God will do it for us. We've seen him do it in other people's lives. We have even experienced his faithfulness in our lives at times. But when we have been promised something, when we're praying about something, when it doesn't happen as quickly as we should, it could be a, a friend or neighbor's salvation, a family member's salvation. It could be a healing in a relationship. It could be a new job, new finances. It could be a debt paid off. But we see it happening. We claim God's promises we start to believe after a period of time that God has lied to us, set us up, that he's just not going to do it for us. Genesis 18, Sarah and Abraham are talking about, are we ever going to have that baby? Abraham is 100, Sarah's 99 in Genesis 18. I've heard a lot of phenomenal things, but I have never heard of anyone that age having a baby since these two. Bible says when they started to talk about it, Abraham reiterated God's promise that Sarah laughed. Now, I don't think she just chuckled, do you? I think it was a great, great, big, wild-eyed, I-can't-stop-myself laughter. Another place, it says that Abraham did the same. Just laugh. We've got some pictures of people laughing. <laughs> people without teeth laughing, too. I like that even better. You ever gotten to that place in your life with God where it seems so unlikely? Matter of fact, it may have seemed impossible. And you just laughed. I've heard people say, you know what? My life's so full of sin that God could never redeem me. God could never change me. I've got such a history of being rebellious and wrong. God can't do anything with me, and they just laugh. You ever said this? 
If I were to walk in the church door, the walls would fall down. And you laugh. What you're really saying is God can't do anything. You ever felt that way about a relationship you were in? The battles had become so intense, the, the wedge between you had become so difficult. Maybe you said to a friend, there's no help for us. Ever been a parent with a child who was rebellious? And you just start to think, you know, there is nothing I can do for this kid. Matter of fact, you might even say, only God can help him or her. And you'd be right. You ever been so sick that you thought you'd never get better? So deep in grief that you thought the burden would never be lifted from you? You ever been so caught up in an addiction or a habit that you thought you could never break it? And if someone were to say to you, if you'd give God a chance, he could, and you just laugh. You just laugh. But when Sarah went into that laughing storm, and she was just weeks away, by the way, of being the world's first 99-year-old pregnant woman. When she went into that laughing storm, you know what Abraham said to her? You see it there in the scripture. With God, anything is possible. You know, that could be the most encouraging word in all of scripture. Especially to those of you who've ceased to believe, whose faith is at an all-time low, who you've given up on whatever it is that you can't control in life, that you can't fix in life. With God, anything is possible. Is anything too hard for God? Listen to me from experience, from being down and out and broken and wounded and left by the side of life road. I learned that when I was faithless, when I had no hope, when I had ceased to believe that anything was possible. That's when God was the most faithful. If you're here today and you're hurting, you've given up, you don't know where to turn, I've got the answer for you. Nothing, even the hardest nut to crack here, is not too hard deepest wound, the heart that's most broken, the relationship that's most severed, the black heart that's so far from God. Nothing, no one, you, or maybe you, or maybe me. Nothing's too hard for God. Just takes faith. 
Take starting over. Saying I'm sorry. Offering forgiveness. Trusting Him. Pray with me. Father, we come to this place with many, many different perspectives. Some are in a season of faith, others, they're a long way from you. They've lost their faith. They've lost hope. There are folks here today who battled their way to church and who battle their way through life with one another. Their relationship is it's on 911. Emergency. There are people here struggling to, to move out of a life of habitual sin and addiction. There are people who, who feel like they have no hope, and they're here today to hear that you love them and can change them. That only you have never given up. So whatever it is, Father, that keeps us from following and walking that road of faith, whatever it is that, that we've given up on, however big the obstacle, however deep the valley, we look to you. Father, in fact, we, we run to you this morning. Start again. Right now, Father, help us to start again. Jesus' name.